question. I got first elected in 2016. I was 25 years old, uh, super young, the second youngest member of the legislature. Uh, another gentleman by the name of Austin McCollum, who's also one of the uh, influential members who made this a reality, was uh, 10 years younger than me, or not 10 years, 10 days. And um, when I first won, it was a massive shock. No one thought I was going to win. I was going against a three-term incumbent. That wife had held the seat. He had held the seat. He was going back to hold the seat. Um, so didn't didn't get a lot of local support. Beat him by 18 points. And then the next morning, I got a call from my superintendent who went to have breakfast with me. So uh, I love my superintendent. I've got four of them. This one in particular, he's a good Republican. He says, I'm, I'm with y'all on every issue except school choice. And he's like, and I know there'll be an issue. Uh, and, I, and I want you to know how I feel about it. And I said, well, you know, let me tell you a story. And this, is, this dictates how my view about school choice. When I lived in a small town in South Arkansas called Mena, uh, there was a elementary school that had some problem teachers in it. And my mom wanted to make sure that I did not get one of those problem teachers. Because it was all around the community. Everyone talks. They know who the bad teacher is. You don't want your kid in that class. Well, they told us, nothing you can do. It's all random, this and that. So my mom ran for school board and won. And amazingly, I didn't end up in one of the bad teacher's classes. <laughs> um, but that showed me, not everyone has a mom like my mom who's going to do that. You know, I mean, my dad was the hospital CEO. We were well off. You know, if you're a single mom who's working shifts, you know, you don't have the ability to go out and run for school board to make sure that your son gets in the right class with the right teacher. And to me, it seems that we have an unequitable society if we have those of privilege are able to get better teachers, to go to better schools, and we leave others in the dust because they do not, they are not born with the right last name. And so what's great is uh, then I eventually, while in the legislature, met my wife. Um, she's fantastic. She went to private school her entire life. She has no idea about public school. So it's very funny when I talk about issues in public school. She's like, I have no clue what you're talking about. So, um, but anyways, so we have our first session. It's 2017. Uh, we tried to get a school choice bill passed, and we couldn't pass it. We had a super majority. First time ever in the history of Arkansas, super majority. Everyone ran on school choice on their mail pieces. Governor said he supported school choice. Couldn't get it done. I was shocked. I couldn't believe that one of our party platforms, a state in which we have one of the wealthiest families in America, the Waltons, who have come out in support of this, who said, we will help pay. We pay for schools in the Delta. We help, we help school uh, choice initiatives all over the country. We help charter schools all over the country. Could not get it done. And what was interesting, and, and sorry if I'm just, this is a long story about passing school choice, but I think it's important to know because we're very similar. And you heard the same things. Well, I'm worried about school sports. You know, all these, all these, you know, schools are going to come and take our athletes away, and and they're just gonna. And I was like, who is going to move two hours so they can play at a at a at a private school and not here? It just didn't make sense. But so we couldn't pass the bill. But it really opened my eyes. And what's interesting is we had an issue where we had a lot of members who really weren't Republicans. They weren't conservatives. They were they were against all sorts of Republican issues. We had to pull their teeth just to vote for small incremental income tax reductions, all sorts of things. And so. What we did is we just started telling people, like, this is what we're trying to do. Here are the people who aren't with us. And lo and behold, we started to recruit more members. When seats became open and members retired, uh, I was the campaign chair for the caucus for two cycles. I took us from 75 members to 82 members. 
um, we went and made sure that we recruited people who were true believers in what Republicans were and what conservatives believed in. Because we had a lot of people, and I'm sure Mississippi seen as the past of 10 years ago, they were Democrat. Now they're Republican because they want to keep their office. And what we showed, even some of the members who are still this day who did that, if you want to keep your office, you don't need to just say you're a Republican. you got to vote like you're a Republican. And so we recruited... We, we ran races, we did that, and so we built a, a group and a coalition of people who were ready for school choice. And then uh, a great thing happened. We elected Sarah Huckabee Sanders as our governor, who she's fantastic, and she really led on this issue. She said, I'm going to be the education governor, uh, which you don't hear a lot of Republicans say. They'll say, I'm going to be the jobs governor, uh, you know, I'm going to be the security governor, but education, you don't hear a lot. And she really meant it. You know, she's got three small children. Um, and so she really understands the importance of this. And so she helped us push. But when we started drafting the legislation and thinking about it, we had all these arguments from the past four years, you know, everything Corey talked about. So we knew what the other side was saying. And that's an advantage you have here in Mississippi. You're going to know what they're going to say. And you know what we did? We made the bill to where we took away every single one of their arguments. So when people said, well, this is going to defund schools. No, nah, it's a $300 million increase in, in school funding. If you vote against this bill, you're voting against a $300 million increase into school funding. Well, we wanted to raise teacher pay. Okay, we'll raise teacher pay. It's the fifth highest in the nation in Arkansas. When you do cost of living, we're the number one state in the country. We took away all their arguments. When we went to pass the bill, one of the leading Democrat senators said, I'll be honest, I probably agree with 95% of this bill, but I'm still going to vote no. Exactly, because the Republicans are voted for, because it's a, it's a Republican bill, because of the vouchers, because of the EFAs. It is insane. And, uh, but the reality was, as we did that, we created a bill, and granted, there were things superintendents liked, there were things they didn't like, there were things teachers liked, they didn't like. There was something for everyone. And even if you, let's say this, even if you were maybe the most hardcore conservative, I don't want to spend any more additional, additional dollars on, um, on education, the fact of the matter was you got so much in for it, you go, this is actually a good deal overall. And actually, in the long run, we will see cost savings on this. So it was, there was something forever, I'll put it that way. Um, when we ran the bill, we, 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 we shopped with teachers and superintendents. We had them be anonymous so they couldn't be subject to intimidation, which was actually, you know, I'll tell you, this is one of the issues we had is we literally had people, you know, give us the names. We want to know who the names are because they want to go, they want to fire them. They want to go figure out who those teachers were, drive them out of the business. They want to figure out who those superintendents were and drive them out of the business. And, uh, but, you know, so people say like, well, you didn't talk to anybody. It's like, yes, we did. We know we did. We have people, we'll swear on a Bible we did. Um, but you know what? We realized the game you're playing because it almost became like a guerrilla-style warfare with misinformation, with intimidation, with all sorts of things. I mean, they just would throw every lie the book at you. And what's interesting is I, uh, I'm a Catholic, and so I went to the diocese superintendent and said, hey, this is what we're doing. We want to kind of keep you briefed on everything going on. And, and uh, they would say, well, you know, we're just hearing all these things. They're going to, if you pass this, they're going to shut down every Catholic school in Arkansas. They're going to take all the crucifixes off the door. And I was like, are you serious? Who's telling you this? And he goes, well, so-and-so, and they work for the county school. Oh, okay. It is amazing the depravity that some of these activists would stoop to. And here's the reality, and, and this is a good point, and I wish Keith Brooks and Brian Davis, who are the two lead sponsors, are here to talk about this because they're real champions. They, they said this to me. Uh, recently when they're having a conversation, when you break these teachers and these superintendents out of, out of the bubble of the teachers' unions, they will actually say, this actually makes a lot of sense. 
the superintendent will say, you know what, having getting rid of teacher fair dismissal so that we can get rid of bad teachers and keep good ones, having the freedom to set salary schedules so that we can reward good teachers and not have to reward bad teachers just because they've been around here longer than anyone else, those types of things, that gives them power so they can run their schools and actually compete with the private schools. And so when you break them out of that, when you get it down on a personal level, you can really, really show these people it's going to be okay. But one of the things also I think that we were really smart about when we were doing this is because it is a shock to the system. I mean, you think about in some of these rural areas, the school district is the largest employer. And so it's easy to get everyone, everyone riled up, everyone's got a connection, everyone went to that school district. But what we did is we phased it in over three years, which I think is really important and maybe, maybe some people will disagree with me on that. But by doing that, having the lower schools that were ranked DNF in Arkansas and then starting with kindergarten and then working its way up to year three, having universal choice, what that allows, you tell every, every public school, hey, you've got a three-year runway. Make your school the best school that it can compete with any private school that pops up. A three-year head start's incredible. I mean, technically, they've had forever head start. But, um, but it's a great way, too, to just say, listen, we're, we understand your concerns. We're here for you. We're listening. We are talking to you. We are not going to ram something down your throat. We understand your concerns, and let me let, let's show you. We will address those concerns, and we will even give you a head a, a head start. And you know, we have these working groups that started too with the rule process. We brought in chief critics of us to say, "Hey, come into the working group. You want to be a part of this? You say you're locked out in the cold, and you're not allowed to come on in. We'll take you on because guess what? When we're discussing the policy, we'd love to hear your arguments. And uh, and it's actually great that one of that superintendent I met. He's on our school safety working group, and he he's been great. And he, he, he understands what's going on, and he thinks this is perfect. And guess what? He is probably helping us create some of the best school safety programs we have in the state, because guess what? We arm our teachers in my district. So uh, yeah, for 12 years, we've been arming our teachers. So And so I know this feels kind of like a rambling story about how we got it done in Arkansas. But what's important to know is, is it really was this long, arduous process. They will say, and you'll hear this criticism, they did it in two weeks. They filed the bill and then ran it. Mm -hmm. Well, we could do it in two weeks because we spent the last three months talking to people. Yep. We would spend three months going over, okay, what are the issues? What are the concerns? How do we implement it? What's the legal recourse? Everything that would go through so that we had the answers when those issues came up. And we took the time with legislators you know, who were concerned. He would say, you know, I'm not an education person. I don't know what's, you know, I don't really understand this. Explain to me. My superintendents are calling me. My teachers calling me. I'm concerned about this. And just take them line by line. Okay, that's, nope, nope, nope. I mean, and you have to do that. And I would say the organization and your legislative leaders on this issue. Um, but, you know, I would say this. If this was any other bill, anyone who would go to their constituents and say, yeah, I voted against a bill that was 95 good for my constituents, they'd say, you're crazy then. Why didn't you do that? Yeah. Um, so I just, I, you know, I came here to kind of tell you the process is going to be hard, but you know what we did is we, 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 like I said, you have to keep the information, you have to be out, you have to get people involved, you have to bring as many stakeholders in as you can, and I would say bring enemies to the table to have the discussion, okay, well, what do you don't like about school choice? What's going on? You don't have to show them the bill, but you can understand their arguments, where their where hiccups, and say, okay, we can address that, we can fix that, mm -hmm. because the reality is, no one, like, he, like Corey said, if no one's trying to destroy public schools. We're trying, to give pub we're trying to give parents an option in what they want to do. I love my public schools in my district. They're great. You know, I'm a sponsorship of all the sporting tickets at, at two of mine. You know, I'm, I, I love it. And they're good schools. And they're going to continue to be good schools. It's like, and this EFA does nothing to affect them. 
if anything, all it did was increase their ability to pay their teachers and in increase certificates, which certificate to work, which is another good thing that we did about getting the community involved. And let me talk about this real quick. Sorry, I forgot about this, but Keith Brooks, who's the house lead house sponsor, wanted me to pitch this to y'all. So I'll just say it. We uh, also have part of this is having and starting programs to make sure that we are creating programs that allow people to do certificates for, for work. So like, let's say you want to be a welder or a plumber or things like that. We were basically able to f work with the industry and say, what do y'all need? And they go, well, you know, Aaron, the average electrician's age in Arkansas is 58 years old. We're going to need more electricians. And so by doing these programs, finding the kids who aren't necessarily interested in going to college and taking on that debt can do these programs and then work with our local businesses to then get in, get work, and immediately start contributing to our economy. And that is a really beneficial thing because that not only ties those industries to the school choice bill, it also shows that this is a, this is a benefit for the public schools as well. And so, and that's a great thing too that I remind people about it, it goes, this is a bill that not only help private schools, but help public schools in a big way. Public schools are not the enemy here. It's the activist unions that are the enemy. And they will do everything they can to make sure that we are not, um, that they're not, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, they'll do everything they can to make sure that status quo remains so they can remain in power. Um, you know, I'll tell you this too. I work in healthcare. I'm, I'm really, when he said, I'm really more of a healthcare expert than an education expert. Uh, but I would, I would also tell members this too. I want you to imagine someone came to you and said, hey, um, you're on Medicare, you're on Medicaid. You can only see this one doctor. You can only go to this one hospital. You can't go anywhere else. So it doesn't matter the best cancer doctors in the town over. You can't go there, even, yeah. even though you got cancer. We would have riots in the streets if we did that. But guess what? We don't do that. We allow choice. We allow religious institutions <laughs> to come in and have medical facilities and all sorts of things. And if we apply that same logic to education, then you logically end up at school choice. And so really when people say, well, I don't like public dollars going to private institutions, guess what? It already does. The reality is, is we are free market people who believe that people should have a choice. And it should be the same with education as it is with health care. And so if anyone who says that, well, I don't want private dollars, our public dollars going to private institutions go, well, are you willing to pass a bill to make Medicaid only go to one provider in your community? Pell Grants, too. Pell Grants, everything. Are you willing to do that? Well, oh, God, no, that'd be terrible. That'd, they'd throw me out of office. Well, we're doing that right now with education. And guess what? The people who are suffering for it are your children. And guess what? Children are, the, are some of the few people who actually don't have lobbyists, and it's time for us to stand up for the children and to make sure that they have a brighter future. So thank, thank you. you.